King Wolf Creative presents Pints and Putts, a podcast for golfers and craft beer lovers. Hosted by Burke Cullinane and Justin Bedard. This is Pints and Putts. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Pints and Putts. On this week's episode, we have the wonderful Kyle Walton with us. Kyle has worked with Eric Anders Lang, the U.S. Women's Open, Matt Cardis from Golf in Your State. Kyle is also the founder of Gimme Golf Club, which we're going to dive into a bit later today. On top of that, Kyle is also a husband and a father, and he shares his daughter's journey of golf uh, on Instagram, which is extremely inspiring to me. Kyle, welcome. Hi, guys. <laughs> Good to be here. Uh, I, I've paid attention to your guys' uh, first few episodes here. It looks pretty awesome. I'm, I'm excited to I'm always excited to hop on podcasts and have some chats with people, so it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I know you're a busy guy, and we really do appreciate you coming in here and joining us today. Uh, would you mind, I know I kind of just introduced you, but would you mind kind of just introducing yourself and maybe giving a quick background about, you know, uh, golf and, and, and filmmaking? Yeah, so uh, the the golf uh, the golf aspect of the filmmaking is, is actually uh, not that old. Um I've really only been doing it for, I don't know, maybe maybe a year, a little over a year, 20 months or something like that. Uh, I sort of just made a pivot in the space. Um, you know, Burke, you know, as I was involved in this, this no small create or small creator, no small creators like group with Cody Warner, a guy on YouTube. And I sort of attempted this 30 video and 30 day project. Um, and I think that's actually where me and you sort of interacted for the first time. Um, and yeah, it's sort of, I got inspired. Um, I was trying to break some creative patterns. And so I jumped in and, and did this project and it went really well, but I was more concerned about how I was going to be able to create like that, uh, have a job, be a dad and play golf. Cause I, I like to play golf a lot of golf. And so, uh, these two were, these, these three or four worlds didn't quite, uh, connect for me and I didn't really know what I was going to do about it. And so somebody actually sent me, uh, Eric Anders Lang's video, uh, dear golf. And, uh, it was like, Hey, it looks like you'd make something like this. And you know, it, it, I, I don't understand why I didn't make that connection prior to that moment, but I was kind of like, yeah, it does look like it's not focused on the score, it's more on the, you know, sort of the narrative and sort of the things about golf that I love. And man, this makes a lot of sense. And so um, at that point, I just decided to go for it and sort of pivoted my Insta channel towards golf and uh, decided to make some content around it. And then from that moment on, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really, because it went really well. And, um, and it's been, yeah, it's sort of solidified, uh, I don't know, a purpose for what I want to do and how I want to do it and in, in, in the environment that I want to be in, which is around around the game that, that I really like to, you know, play. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I know that you've uh, posted a lot about that story. And, and I think the first project, I think you had said on Instagram, the first project that you did was uh, at Sweeten's Cove. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was heading to Nashville. And um, this was after I had received that, you know, that text and was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I reached out to Sweetens and told them I, w- I was coming down to play. Um, I had had my eye on it for a while, and they were so cool. Um, they were super nice, and they were like, yep, you can fly. Yep, you can do whatever you want. Please make anything. We don't care. Have fun. Uh, 
you know, just don't get in anybody's way. And that's pretty much the rule at Sweetens is just don't get in anybody's way and have a lot of fun. And so I went down there. They put me in touch with one of the first 10 members ever. Uh, his name's Jim. And he was just a stud of an ambassador for the, for the course and told me all the history and uh, played golf with me. And I just had the best day, put together a little video. And then all of a sudden, a couple of brands dropped in and said they wanted to send me some stuff. And I said, oh, okay, like we're on to something here. Let's see what I can do. And started DMing the world and, and uh, hustling my face off and, and sort of found my way a little bit. Nice, nice. Yeah, so where does, where does Gimme Golf Club fit into, into that timeline? Because uh, I know that you said you've been playing golf since you were a kid, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, since second grade pr- pretty wow. much. Wow, yeah. So I know that the, the filmmaking with golf, at least, like golf filmmaking came later on. So is Gimme Golf after filmmaking with golf or is that before? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Gimme Golf Club as a whole the idea has been sort of ruminating in the brain for probably five or six years. And it actually has been started in sort of like uh, pump faked a couple times. Like I, I had some chats with some courses, tried to sort of navigate the relationship with courses. So for people that don't know, it's basically, it's a golf subscription business at its, at its core. Um, you know, here in St. Louis, you can pay 75 bucks a month and you can play five golf courses unlimited with cards. So cheap, man. So um, affordable. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty insane. I mean, golf is a little bit more reasonable in this part uh, of the country, I think. But yes, it's very, very affordable. And that was always the goal. Um, you start getting into a couple hundred dollars a month and these you know guys have options at clubs and stuff like that. And we just didn't, we, we wanted to make it available for everybody. And so, um, yeah, navigated some waters, trying to, trying to talk to some golf courses, trying to, uh, get some opportunities. Um, and it just wasn't resonating. Uh, the courses were just kind of telling me no. And I thought the idea was good. Um, but I just think the pitch was wrong. And so, I kind of just went back to the drawing board and, you know, life, right, happens. And it just sat there for another year or two. And that's something I definitely want to do. And then, yeah, I just had my, you know, my Gary Vaynerchuk moment or whatever where I was like, look, I just not, I'm going to regret this. I'm going to regret not pulling the trigger on this and at least trying. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of went back to the drawing board, reworked the pitch, got three courses to say yes, turned it on. Um, and then COVID, it was it happened basically last year, right? So then, what a time to start a business. Uh, kind of turned into a beta year, um, you know. Floated everything, stayed interested, and and then now we're sort of. I feel like I got some couple investors involved, got someone else to come alongside and help run things, and I think we're poised to to have a really good year uh, this year. And it's exciting. It's an exciting time. That's awesome. Now, I want to go back to something you were just saying was that you got into the golf game at an early age. How was it that you got introduced into that golf game? Uh, so my grandfather um, introduced me to the game. I, I got He got me a set of clubs when I was uh, in second grade. They're actually still sitting over here in my studio. I still own them. And uh, yeah, he, he just sort of would take me out to the driving range and turn me loose and um 
out to the course when he was around. And then my dad uh, was super into golf as well. And he, he actually lived in a different state than I did growing up. But I would spend my summers um, with him. And in doing that, I played uh, excessive amounts of golf. It was pretty much the only thing I did. He would kind of go to work. At, he worked at a GMC plant up in Indiana. So he'd drop me off at like, you know, basically like five or six in the morning if I wanted to in high school. And I'd just stay at the course until he got off work. And so I basically would play 18 holes, have lunch, play 18 holes, hit a bucket of balls and chip and putt until he arrived. And then we could play We played like 16 or 15 or 16 more holes until it was dark. And I pretty much did that every day for summer. Like that's all I did. So you were literally playing golf from the second that you got up until the second you got home for dinner. Yeah. I was, wish I could do that. Yeah. Listen, it was, it was insane. And like, that's, you know, that was kind of the conversation I had with my dad. It was like, I was 15 or 16 at the time maybe. And it was like, you know, you could get a job or you could make off your job. And if you actually put in the work and really try, then I'm okay with you doing that. I was like, sign me up, dad. So just played a whole bunch of golf. We're very excited to bring to you guys the first segment of Pint Breaker. Pint Breaker is going to be this little segment where we just ask some questions to get to know our guests better. This week's episode of Pint Breaker is sponsored by Amherst Brewing. Amherst Brewing was founded in 1997 and is located in the Hangar Pub and Grill in Amherst, Massachusetts. Brewing a wide range of styles from traditional lagers to hop-forward IPAs and barrel-aged stouts. Amherst Brewing brews food-friendly beers that can be found at the Hangar Pub and Grill locations throughout Massachusetts and also in stores and other restaurants across the state of Massachusetts. Today we are drinking uh, toasted coconut cream porter. It's a 6% porter brewed with coffee from the wonderful folks over at Shelburne Falls Coffee Roasters. If you don't know who Shelburne Falls Coffee Roasters is, you should head to our YouTube channel. If you don't know what our YouTube channel is, type King Wolf Creative on YouTube and look up the Backyard Pitch and Putt and Coffee Roasting episode. We played uh, Backyard Pitch and Putt Golf with one of the owners from Shelburne Falls Coffee Roasters. Super awesome episode. Super awesome uh, company doing great things. I'm going to try this, try this porter out. Now, I'm not going to lie. Uh, during the Back East episode, while we were playing Wolf, we had already had this. So this isn't the first time. And I will say, this beer is delicious. Right? Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's what a porter should be. Okay, Porters are supposed to be drier. They're not, they're not sweet. And this is exactly that. You know, you, you, you would read this label, you'd think toasted coconut coffee, you'd think it would be sweet, but it's actually not. No, it's super balanced. It's not coffee overpowering, which I think you get a lot of porters that are very heavy on the coffee. So the coconut really, really balances it out. It yeah. just gives you that smooth, soft finish mm -hmm. that just wants makes you want to have more and more. Yeah, very, very delicious. A lot of flavor. Um, I'm a massive fan of Shelburne Falls coffee. It's like the coffee that I use. This isn't, I'm not sponsored by Shelburne Falls, but um, just, you know, free promo here. We love them. They're great. You should go. If you're in Western Massachusetts and you're going to go check out Amherst Brewing, you might as well go check out Shelburne Falls too. Shelburne Falls toasted coconut um, cold coffee. brew. Cold brew is well, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. The hot coffee is good too, but the cold brew is on another level. 
But yeah, thanks again to Amherst Brewing for sponsoring this week's segment of Pint Breaker. Back to the combo with Kyle. Another big thing about this podcast, obviously, you know, golf related, but we are kind of a little bit of craft beer nerds ourselves, so that's that's why the podcast is called Pints and Putts. We try and, and incorporate, you know, the beer and golf and all that stuff. Um, but you're the first one that we're going to be doing this with today. Uh, it's okay. a new segment that we're starting called Pint Breaker. Basically, we play this little game, just ask you a few questions just to kind of break the ice, get to know you a little bit better. So uh, there's there's a few questions, 10 questions. Uh, they're mostly short. Um, there is a long-winded one at the end. But the first question is, what's your drink of choice? Could be beer, non-beer, non-alcoholic. Uh, yeah, what, what what's your drink of choice? Old fashioned. Old fashioned. All right. Yeah. All right. I like that answer. Easy. I'm just. I'm Easy. just gonna throw this in. Uh, do you drink beer at all? Or yeah, I do. I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not super into beer at this point. I was a little bit ago, but I've since. You know, I'm when I'm a little less active. Uh, the beer s- tends to sit around the waist a little bit more. So uh, I sort of. <laughs> a, a, yeah. Yeah. I slowed down on the beer consumption, but man, listen, I'm in St. Louis. Like. We got some good ones here. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a lot of great beer. Uh, side side projects here. Uh, Narrow gauges here. Um, some of these beers have some of the best. Some of the best beers in the country. They're, they're doing some really cool stuff down here. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I'm going, if I if it's a beer, I'm typically on the darker side, like the the nuttier box and some of that sort of uh, that sort of beer. Um, I'm not I'm not a huge IPA guy, but I know that if I want to be a proper beer nerd, I have to like get, I have to get the IPA <laughs> well, palette. So <laughs> I'll get there. I'll to get a degree. There. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the more you go down the craft beer wormhole, the less, uh, I feel like people like the, the hazy IPAs, uh, okay. the, like, especially more up here. Like, yeah. I'm like the Imperial stout guy. Like the more well, like rubbing right. alcohol, it, the more like rubbing alcohol it tastes, the better for me. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you like old fashions. You probably like more of the bourbony stuff, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. What absolutely. is um? What is the li- the liquor of choice in, in the old fashioned? Uh, I mean, you know, it's probably just like you know, if I'm, it's just at the house. It's probably just some sort of four, four roses, like single barrel, um, something like something just sort of stock. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't go too far down down that wormhole mainly because i understand where it leads and it just makes me broke yeah. more than likely yeah. so oh my god i'm just keeping yeah, it simple. i mean that stuff's more expensive than beer it's ridiculous yeah yeah and, it, and it's just fun it's just fun to have it sitting on the wall too so i know that i would just it'd be excessive so i'm just i'm just trying to it's the same reason i don't play it's the same reason i don't play fantasy sports like i don't blame anybody that does it I just know what I would do and I just I've just sort of like held off for this long and everyone keeps trying to reel me in. I'm like, "Listen, I'm almost 40 and I've I've held off this long. I'm not starting now cuz I I cannot go down that uh, that wormhole. I'll be I'll be gone." Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh favorite golf club in the bag. Favorite golf club in my bag. Uh I, I would say uh, I, li- I like to hit my three iron. Okay. Okay. I like that answer. Um, yeah. I mean, n- nothing nothing special, but uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, I like all my clubs, but uh, three iron for sure. It's, it's, a, 
It's a safe club for me. The three iron was always something that was favored in my bag too, um, up until this season where it rarely left the bag. <laughs> I play a course a lot that's not very long, so it needs to be good in order to. I have to hit it quite a bit, so it's become a it's become a uh, a staple in the uh, in the arsenal. Nice, salty or sweet? Oh, good question. I'd say <laughs> probably sweet. All right. We'll just, keep, we'll just keep it simple. Par three, par three, four, five. Drivable par four. All right, I like the little change in that. That's a short, good one. That's a, that's a real short, good one. Short par fours are, are we need more sharp. I want to start. We need more sharp short par fours in life. That that should be a hashtag like more yeah. short, uh, m- more short par fours. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, black coffee or cream and sugar? Uh, I've never had cream or sugar in my coffee, so. My guy, there we go. That's the right answer. <laughs> it's funny. I, I just I just started uh, drinking coffee like maybe t- three years ago now. I just no kidding. No, I couldn't stand it. Never really drank it, and then sort of had a reason uh, like through a connection of a friend to be like, hey, I wanna I wanna learn this because I wanna be um, I wanna be able to connect with this person and. So I kind of dove in and it's game over. Like one of my best friends owns a coffee shop and uh, I've never even like made a cup of coffee that isn't a pour over. Like I don't even know how to use the Mr. Coffee thing. <laughs> like I've only done pour overs my entire life. So that's I, good. That, that That's I a good problem have got, to have. Yeah, I went straight snob, I guess. So yeah, definitely uh, black coffee. Perfect. Uh, same over here for both of us. T's on par threes. Yes or no? Uh, Sure. Yeah, I, I I would say I I I use a grass tee on par threes, so I just kind of smack the smack the ground and create a little lip, and then use that. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, but okay. yeah, I, I um, I if you can take an advantage of it, I'm 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 here for it. Love it. Spicy or sweet? Oh no 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 sorry. Uh, spicy or sour? S- uh, not very spicy. Okay. All right. No. Yeah. So like a mild. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, not spicy, not definitely not sour, (laughs) and not real, not really spicy. Okay, (laughs) music on the golf course? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, any any kind, as loud as you want it. Um, If somebody doesn't, then whatever. I can respect that too. I'm I am here for less regulations uh, in the game of golf. Yeah, whatever makes it like more accessible to people and people not thinking it's like a snobby game because too many. You know, rules. I mean, you you do have to be respectful, but there there are a lot of rules sometimes which can be frustrating. Too many. Uh, um, yeah, pineapple on pizza? Yes or I no? I mean, I don't really like pineapple, so let's just say no. Okay. All right. No. Yeah. No. That's fair. Uh, last question, and it's the more long-winded one. Uh, craziest story, golf or drinking related. And if you don't have one right now, that's fine. Cause I know it, it, it's kind of off the cuff. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I have a good golf story. That's usually a go-to for me. I was, let me do this math real quick. Um, so I was, was a two under? Standing on 16T, 
So I hadn't, hadn't really broken. I'm not sure that I had ever really broken 70 more than a few times in my life. Um, and I was on the 16th tee, two under. And I, I, I hooked the ball left uh, by a tree in some tall, tall grass. And it had stormed really bad the night before. So I got up to my ball and I was there was a there was a bee's nest there was a, a beehive that had been that had fallen on the ground, uh, sort of near my golf ball, and uh, I really wanted to break seventy. So like I wasn't I was like I gotta hit I gotta hit this ball. So I kind of was like I kind of got my club and I kind of like ran in there just to kind of see if I could, and then I kind of came back out. Anyway, went back in. Whacked the ball out, thought all was well, and then felt some uh, some some a stinging sensation in my in my shorts, and uh, and I ended up uh, having to strip down to my underwear uh, and shirt off, shirt off, pants off, like running, and I had had a couple bees in my pants and. Uh, had like cars driving and I just sort of, I, I mean, I was, yeah, it was an interesting moment. Um, but Hey, I got the ball out, put my, put my clothes back on, uh, only, only suffered two stings and no, and no crucial and no crucial areas just like on the thigh and on the stomach and, uh, and, and then made bogey which put me back to one over and then uh, parred 17 and eagled 18 to shoot 69. So, Oh, snap. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. It was, uh, so it, it was, was worth it. it. Felt, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was worth it. was worth it. Even if I did it, don't get it. Don't get it twisted. It was worth it. But, uh, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to like hit the shot and not like, and then all of a sudden feel, you know, feel something and you just worry, like you just thinking the worst. And, and yeah, I just, I had to throw off all, all the clothes real quick. So I had a couple honks from the Yeah, street. man. That was courteous of the bees to at least wait until after <laughs> your shot to start stinging you. Yeah, for sure. They could have, they could have been real rude about it, but I think they knew I was trying to break 72. <laughs> Completely aware. They knew everything that was going on. Um, yeah, man, that was fun. Thank you. Thank you for doing that with us. I mean, that's kind of like a big part of, of what we're doing here is we're trying to make this less formal, you know, not so serious. And that's why we want to do these things, kind of help um, make golf more inviting and less serious. Because, you know, like we talked about, there can be a lot of rules and all that stuff. And we don't, I mean, we have tattoos on our arms, so it's like we, we don't care. Yeah, I think it's important. Um, I've, ha- I've had that conversation with a few different people now, and, and uh, I think that, yeah, I think it's an important step to take. I think it's uh, we need less rules, and I think that if we show people an inviting, welcoming way to play, that they'll probably work their way back to somewhere in the middle. They'll they'll find their way, and I think that that's as instead of having the entry point be here's a whole bunch of rules, don't don't do these things, and then they you know loosen up or something like go the other direction and show them something that's really fun and there aren't any rules and then they'll probably work their way back to some normal version of golf I think if they really like the game which is what I feel like I've seen from you and Gimme Golf Club and some of the events that you guys have done it just seems like you guys are just having a good time there's a bunch of people out there you know putting through people's legs you got 50 people on a green yeah 
It just looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. It's if we you know we'll we'll have an event on March sixth and we'll we'll cap it at fifty people and but that'll be fifty people that'll play a golf hole together. So that'll it'll uh, we'll we spread out all the way across the tee box, um, and we hit you know fifteen guys are hitting at a time. No one's being quiet. Uh, and if they hit the green, they have a chance for the skin. They have a chance to putt for the skin. If they miss the green, they they're drinking their beer till the next hole. They're a spectator, and so that's it. You just basically get a chance to hit the green, and then you know you guys understand how a skins game works. It gets really interesting if you know if the first guy makes the putt, then there's only one guy that wants everyone else to miss. It's the guy who made the putt, so everyone becomes real quiet and they become a cheerleader for the putts, and then quite. More more times than not, the opposite is is no one's made a putt and there's one guy left. And if he makes it, he wins the skin. And nobody is interested in that happening. And the only rule is is that you can't touch them. You just you can't. You got they got to be able to see the hole, and you can't touch them. So it's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and it it gets a lot of fun. It's it's a good time for sure. Right. I think that's awesome to see a more casual approach to the game of golf and introducing people to the game without hitting them with that rule book right up front. I think a lot of people lose the interest in the game because there's just too many rules involved. So if we can find a casual way to get them to enjoy the game and then implement the rules that are necessary afterwards, I think that's a great way to get people involved and stay in the game. Yeah. I, I Look, I totally agree. Um, I've had the experience of playing in a few different um, games like that I learned this from. Like We've been doing this par three challenge in my family golf tournament for years. So that's sort of where that idea came from. But I've also, uh, you know, Matt Janella is a guy who I've gotten to meet over the last couple of years who's a familiar face in the golf space. He worked for Golf Channel and um, is a content creator, but he was sort of in charge of the Winter Park 9 um, in Winter Park, Florida. They have an incredible skins game where you know, they'll put 50 or 60 people off in tensums and, and you basically, if you don't have a putt for birdie, you just pick up and it's, you it's a full nine holes and they play in a couple hours and it's just, it's like, yeah, it's about making a skin. It's not about playing nine holes. So if you're out of the hole, you're out of the hole and you just walk to the next tee and you kind of wait for everybody else to finish up and you kind of chat and you talk and there's music playing and it's just a big vibe. And it's, it's, I wish that more people would be open to that. Like, I don't understand why we have to have, why I don't understand. We, I know why we chose foursomes because it's only two carts. So that way golf courses can, you know, generate the most revenue without having to put a third cart out there for five people or whatever. And whatever they decided, the time constraints, whatever they want to decide. But for me, it's like play 12 wide. If you play in four hours, like it doesn't why not? really matter. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said there, like, who cares if you're playing with 30 people? Who cares who you're playing with? Who cares what you guys are doing as far as a format out on the course? As long as you're keeping up with the pace of play, that's really all that matters. Yeah, and I think that this could, you know, look, there. I know enough people in the industry to, to know that this could be taken advantage of and, you know, not everyone's going to play fast or not everyone understands it and, and maybe it takes takes some time to sort of, get this, but maybe even if it's just like a day out of the week, like let's pick one day and say, look, like bring your, bring your buddies and play six wide on Tuesdays or eight wide on Tuesdays, you know, or, you know, 
there's definitely issues with pace of play, and that's another conversation to be had. Uh, I wish that you know people played fat. Pay, people should play faster. Um, they're not that good, so why are they care so much? Like you're not like none of us are like just play. Um, and so you're yeah, not I on think tour. You don't need to read your putt from like every side of the green. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fun conversation to have. I think. I, I think it's a. Uh, I think the fact that we're having it more and I'm having these chats with either, you know, club pros or, you know, course pros or, or even people in the industry, um, that are getting, starting to understand it is, is a fun conversation because it does look weird when, you know, the guys that are playing 30 wide in one of our events that have our traditional golfers, like they feel like they're doing something wrong. You know, it's like, we've been approved. Like we were keeping pace with a twosome in front of us, because it's with just, thirty you know, people. Yeah, because like you're 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 five people, maybe five people hit the green. You know, 125, 130 yard par three. You know, you got people first of all hitting at the same time as other people and talking. Like they don't. That's something they've never done before. So they're probably not hitting quality golf shots at least for the first few holes. And so it just feels. It's just like yeah, you get five people on the green. Well, guess what? Now there's. 35 you know 30 people that are just watching so you're you're not really playing 35 people are finishing the golf hole they put the ball up put it in their pocket drink it take a drink of their beer and they heckle the guy who's trying to putt that's it and then you walk to the next tee and the guys who weren't playing are probably already got their peg in the ground and are already hitting the next shot and all of a sudden this twosome is looking back like why is there a giant mob behind us that's like playing as fast as we are (laughs) That's crazy, man. I definitely need to experience that uh, at some point in my life. That just seems like so much fun. Do it. Uh, definitely will. Uh, I, I want to kind of pivot this conversation back towards the the filmmaking side of things, you know, because we are both filmmakers ourselves. So I, I kind of want to talk about that. And, and if you could kind of reflect, you know, you started making golf videos and and then all of a sudden now you're working with these high profile people doing doing amazing things and high profile brands. Uh, can you kind of reflect on what spawned that? Uh, I mean, a lot of I did a lot of free work, and I did a lot of I did a lot of DM diving. I uh, you know I asked people if I if I can ever bring you any value with my camera, let me know. Um, and then hopefully my work kind of spoke for itself. Um, I was, you know, specifically with Cardis. Um, it was a great opportunity. Golf in your state. I don't if, if your listeners know who Matt is. Um, he's one of the realest uh, dudes out there. He's a really good guy. Um, his story is incredible. Um, I'd followed him before I even met him, and you know, he's the golf hobo. He lives out of a van, and he he's a professional photographer, and he's really good at what he does, and he's got a great story as to you know how that all came about, and so. I was entertaining making a video, making another 30 video in 30 days project for golf centric just cause I was scratching the itch again. And, uh, and he reached out and told me that, you know, Hey, we should make something together. And so he had been paying attention, I guess. And, and I met him, I met him down at the PGA show last year. Um, and so that's sort of how that specific in, uh, situation started, uh, doing, I did a couple edits for Eric. Um, that was literally, a he hopped on his Instagram stories and was like, Hey, I need a, I need an editor, fill out an, fill out an application. So 
I just sent him my YouTube wow. channel. I sent sent him my stuff, and then one of his assistants got back, and next thing you know, I had a I had a external hard drive at my house and was editing a video. So that was kind of wild. That is crazy. Yeah, uh, for real. Yeah, and you know, talked to him a bit through that. Um, met him down briefly at the show for a while, and then met uh, some guys at True Linkswear down at the show as well. Um, there's a guy by the name of Jeff Marsh who used to be with True, who's kind of on his own now. You guys, if you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. He's really, really good. Um, and he he's connected as well. So did some stuff with True. Um, and then, yeah, Christian Hafer is another guy who's, you know, many would consider the bar as far as, you know, he's a director of photography for golf.com and is, uh, you know, just a stud photographer. And I literally DM'd him probably until he wanted to block me. I was like, how can I, I mean, I was like, I'll carry your equipment. I'll pay my way there. Uh, I want to get close to the fire. I think you're really good at what you do. Can I, how can I do this? And, uh, eventually he, I think he just, I just broke him. He was just like, Hey, I got a project in Chicago next month. You want to come work with me? I said, yeah, what's the project? He said, the BMW championship. I said, in. Oh, wow. That was with, oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, you took the next question right out of my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was cool. And I love that he called it a project, you know? And so uh, I went and worked that uh, at Olympia Fields in, I think, October. And it's October? No, it was early in September, maybe August. I think it was August. Yeah, so it was the playoffs. It was the one where Rom and, and DJ made, like, 60-footers on 18. It was insane. As far as, like, what you were doing when you were out there, like, wh what was your role? Uh, that role specifically was kind of cool. Uh, because of COVID protocols... Uh, the team from BMW couldn't make the trip. So instead of having like a team of like nine people or whatever, they just had me with a camera and then I was filming content and then sending it back to Germany and they were creating BMW golf sport uh, content. So I was just like, wow. I, was, I was boots on the ground for BMW's like social team. That's crazy. So as far as, you know, when you were out there, did they give you a shot list or were you on your own to kind of come up with what you were getting? Yeah, we had we had a team leader there that was sort of in charge of the production of things. And there was different pieces of content that they were trying to get like, hey, like, you know, like DJ's an ambassador when he, you know, his car is going to roll in at like 8 a.m. I need you there when he gets out. He knows you're going to be there. Follow him back while he grabs his sticks you know, they did a lot of, they did actually did some really interesting things. I think social content in the golf space sometimes is a little rough around the edges, but they were really smart. They, they, we would go to their, to where they were staying. Like, so like with DJ, we like went to where he was staying and then we had, we set up a GoPro in his BMW, in the BMW, cause they all got BMWs that week. So we'd set up a GoPro in it and then we drive, we drove behind them and called and then interviewed him. And he basically just kind of drove and talked to the GoPro. Oh man, and that you that well, I saw that video. Yeah. And so that was just a phone call. Yeah, it's just a phone call. And then he answered the questions, and then they just kind of put the words at the bottom. And then when he got there, you know, I'm obviously there, so it goes from that question to him getting out, and then following him into the locker room, and then it's like that's like he's there, and so it was like these 
you know, these basically morning briefings, I think is what they call them. So we did one with DJ. We did one with uh, Alex Noren, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Paul Casey. Maybe Paul, maybe Paul Casey. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was cool. It was really neat. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed that week. Uh, it was a cool opportunity. Um, hopefully, I get more. But uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. Yeah, and like, for whole, uh, let me say this real quick too. Sorry for like fully nerding out. Like they had, I mean, you know, of like course. I, I had, yeah, like I'm, you know, walking on Tuesday. I'm walking down the fairway with a camera in my hand, following the number one player in the world. And there's only like ten photographers on property, and like I'm like, you know, got a little tear in my eye, and I'm just like, there's no way this is possibly happening right now, and I. I remember specifically. That's when you Haif got those was, shots at Tiger too, right? Yeah, I remember specifically. Hafe was next to me, and I just remember looking over and I'm like, "Thank you," you know. And he was like, "No problem," you know. Like it was, it was cool. It was a cool moment for sure. That's awesome. And I, I know you kind of already answered this, but I kind of want to get a your take on it. Was there a standout shot that you took while you were out shooting the tournament? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know. So the one thing about what I had to do with uh, with BMW was, it was kind of, I don't want to say this. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Uh, so basically there was a shot list. I couldn't shoot people. Like I could not film players, <laughs> which is kind of funny because it's like, I'm there to shoot content. And so, but Tuesday, Wednesday, I could shoot players Thursday through Sunday, their property of the PGA Tour. And even though you're a host tournament, even though your name is BMW and it's called the BMW Championship, they could not they could not shoot players. And so it was a lot of signage um, and cars and uh, sort of ambient, like beach, you know, generic B-roll flags flying you know any logo on the property in some sort of cool way that then they could take the footage that the PGA would provide them and then splice it up into some sort of recap so um you know after the second day of doing that you know like the guy from Germany was like you know basically in the briefing he was like uh more of the same you know like you're doing great and then uh by the last day he was like yeah like you know we want you around for the last putt um, and we want you to be there to sort of maybe get access to that, maybe film it and we'll see if we can use it, whatever. Like, we don't know if you'll be able to, but we definitely want that content. Um, and so Sunday I was sort of freed up, uh, to, to, you know, I didn't have to film as much cause I had a lot of the B roll stuff done. So, um, that sort of afforded me the opportunity to go take a few pictures. And so, Um, I had sort of found a couple spots on the course that I really wanted to get to. And I knew the tiger would be wearing red on Sunday. And so I posted up and got, you know, a couple, you know, more than a couple shots of him on Sunday, but one in particular that, yeah, will be on my wall and, you know, hopefully go through, you know, generations of Waltons, uh, as being a photo that I was able to, you know, fortunate enough to take. And it was definitely like a, you know, goosebumps on the arm, 
hair standing up, sort of like, I can't believe this is in my, my viewfinder right now. And I'm about ready to snap this picture. I mean, when I, when I saw those pictures, I was just like, like, like jaw hit the floor. I was like, what dude, that is so (laughs) sick. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be cool, uh, in this industry at all. Like I, but you are cool. You are cool. Yeah, sure. But like, I, like I am nerding out. I was nerding out. I was sending that picture to my buddies. Like I just took a picture of like the viewfinder and I was like, send it to them. And I'm just like, guys, they're like, oh my gosh. So it was really cool. Definitely an awesome moment for me. And yeah, it was sort of a, you know, a full circle moment too. It was just like, no way I'm here. I am right in the middle of what I want to be doing. This is, this is so much fun. So. That's so sick, man. Now is that before the trophy tour or is that after that you and Matt went on? Yeah. So that was the BMW was before. Um, and then, uh, you know, earlier in the year too, I did, a a series with Matt. Um, I shot some stuff down at the outer banks, which is actually out right now. And there's a guy by the name of, yeah, Thomas Wrighton, who, uh, who used to do a bunch of editing for Eric actually who now is uh, working with Matt, and he's he's awesome. I got a chance to meet him a couple months ago. I mean, I feel like I know him, but I got to play a round of golf with him um, down in uh, at Rams Hill in California. And uh, that's sort of where that whole thing came about. I just I wasn't in a position to be able to do some of those edits. Unfortunately, I really wanted to because it was all my footage. But uh, but Matt uh, worked with Wrighton, and, and he's, he's really good at what he does, obviously. So he's done – it's been really fun for me full disclosure to like see that footage turned into a story that I that I didn't have any sort of say in I just am like giving him the footage and he's turning it into something that I would be totally proud of so that's been kind of a different feeling for that content but um so yeah so I did that stuff with Matt then I did the BMW and then that's when Matt called and was like hey like you know I have this thing that might happen it's it's pretty big and I was like okay you know like whatever that means and then a couple of weeks later, he's like, all right, are you, you, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's, you know, eight locations, 25 days, eight videos. Um, we'll have, we will be in possession of the U S open trophy and we'll be taking it across the country. And I was just like, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I, yeah, still, it's just like, okay, like whatever, this is insane. You know? Hey babe, I'm going to be gone for 25 days, you know, like, which was hard for sure. But yeah, what a ride, like insane ride. Um, you know, winged foot, Pinehurst, Oakmont, Aaron Hills, Cherry Hills, Olympic club, Pebble beach, Torrey Pines in 24 days. So it was amazing. And just to be able to document it all and to be able to, you know, have that to look back on not only the footage that made it, but the footage that didn't, right? The footage that I have. Um, it's so cool. That trip sounds unbelievable. Now on that note, when you guys were out on the 25 days and you know, shooting your eight different videos, was there a standout moment as far as, you know, and that could be creative, that could be who you met. Was there, was there something that stands out and that sticks with you to this day? Um, yeah, I, there's two moments really that stick out. I mean, from like a beauty perspective, um, Olympic club at sunrise, like a San Francisco sunrise, um, in like that misty foggy, 
Um, it felt like Pandora, the cypress trees everywhere. Like I, I tell people, I was kind of waiting for like a dinosaur to kind of come around the corner. Um, it was just too good. Like, so I was able to fly, you know, I was flying the drone and I'm out there by myself. And yeah, that was a moment where I was just like, it was towards the end of the trip. You're running on E, um, you know, you're going from town to town and, you know, driving in between and those sort of, you know, sunrise up at sunrise every day. And, but you get out and something hits and it's good, you know, like you're like, okay, this is, yeah, where else would I want to be right now? You know what I mean? Like, this is really, really good. That was one moment. And then at Pebble, at sunset, uh, we were out there, just me and Matt. Um, and I was like, I have a picture of me sitting on like the tee box next to seven, which is the iconic par three, um, right off of the water, like 120 yard par three. And I'm, I got the trophy sitting right next to me because we had it out to take some pictures of some sun stuff at sunset. And I was just like, I just had, I was just tired and emotional probably. So I was just having a moment and I was just like, Hey Matt, snap a pic. Cause I need this. And it'll be a moment that I remember for a long time, just because I've seen that golf course my entire life. And I don't come from a ton of money and I never was able to play a lot of golf courses growing up, but like I've watched Tiger Woods win on that golf course on repeat. Like when I was in college, I had that on VHS and I would roll it before like every match, like, so like I, you know, I just know that course so well. So like to come full circle and be sitting there like with permission <laughs> uh, with the U.S. Open trophy next to me at sunset, like at one of the most iconic, you know, holes in the world was just like a moment that was like, it was special. And so that that's the one that, you know, em emotive, emotionally, like that's the moment that I'll, you know, take with me for forever. It's just crazy, man. I mean, to think that you you had made this switch, you know, uh, to making golf content, and then now you're taking pictures of the goat, and you're traveling around with the the um the U.S. Open trophy, and going to all these amazing golf courses. And you know, do you think like if that person had never sent you that video, like you wouldn't would you would you be where you're you're at right now doing these things? It it feels so it feels so right now. Like it feels so obvious. Like I was walking with my wife a couple of days ago, we were taking a walk and I was like, how did we not see this? Like, how did, how did we not know that a guy who's good at making video content and a guy who loves golf should be making video golf content? Like it, it's so weird that, that I didn't see it, but I do think it, it speaks to like, it speaks to, finding your way and how you know you can feel like and i by by no means have like made it like i'm still looking for <laughs> jobs in the golf space uh, as of right now so if anyone's listening and they want to hire me like i'm still pursuing that but like so don't don't read me as saying i've made it but like you're not far off <laughs> you know what i mean like my 20 months looks like i was very confused and trying to find my way in a, in a, in a, in an industry that's big and scary. And I was new to me. And now I feel like I at least have some connections and know some people and life looks a lot different than it did just a, you know, a year and a half ago. And so, um, I don't know if I'd be doing it. I'd like to think I'd found it. Um, but I also would take this time to sort of like 
say thank you to the people who've given me a shot, like, you know, like Hafer and like Cardis and, and, and some of these other people and some of these other brands. Cause like I wasn't, I didn't have the reputation. So fortunately they saw that fortunately they were like, they didn't want the reputation. They just wanted the work and they, and they saw my work. And so, um, yeah, it's not something that I'll soon forget if I ever have the opportunity to bring somebody on board and, and, and chat with them, you know, and have them do some work. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be there, but I'd like to think I would figured it out eventually. Now I know we've been doing this for a while and I just want to make sure that we touch on it is, can you get into a little bit about what the clubhouse is and as far as what we have to look forward to with it opening? Yeah. So, um, we always, I always wanted to have a, uh, a physical location for a digital community. So I always wanted to basically have a place for our online community to get together and hang out. And so, um, I wasn't planning for that to happen as fast as it did, but when, uh, my business partner now, uh, Kenny sort of came alongside of me and was like, Hey, let's make this happen. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of hit the gas, like all gas, no brakes and just kind of went. And, uh, that was, you know, a lot, a lot of credit to him for, for being, um, willing to sort of take that leap and, and go for it. So the clubhouse is in its purest form, a genuinely a clubhouse for our members. It's just not by a golf course. So it's sort of landlocked by streets and it's, you know, it's probably not, it's, it's 15 minute drive to the closest golf course. It's, it's in a small part of our town. Um, it's 5,300 square feet. Um, it's a big building. Um, we have two TrackMan simulators, uh, 250 square foot putting green, uh, four or five TVs. We got, um, a lounge that's going in with a, with a snack shack, we're calling it, which, um, is going to have a bar and, and some food options. And yeah, it's uh, it's a members only in the loosest term it could possibly be. You can bring as many guests as you want. We just hope that the bar tab reflects how many guests you had, and uh, <laughs> and then the public uh, is allowed on the weekends. But um, you know, I, I didn't want to have something that was technically members only, but I also believe in the subscription based model. So I wanted to make sure that our people had access. Um, you know, that reflected their commitment to what to what I'm doing. So that's why it's, you know, private Monday through Friday and then available to the public on the weekends. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, we don't want to take too much of your time, but we do have uh, one more question, and it's definitely probably a more long-winded question answer, especially from everybody over here. Um, but what is one thing that you feel the game of golf could improve on? And if it's not just one answer, that's fine. But if it's a number of things, that's fine. But what is one thing that you feel the game of golf can improve on? Um, I mean, there's a lot, uh, I think the, if you want to say them all, then I mean, let's go down the hall. I mean, I think, uh, I I think opportunity access, accessibility, like, um, you know, I just think that there's, I'm trying to figure out how I would have had access to the game of golf had it not been for a family member. Um, that love the game of golf. And if that's, if that's what's like bringing people to the game, then I think that that's sort of where we're, we're, we're a miss, you know, cause 
Um, and there's even the conversation just between like, you know, like the first T or something, right? Like the first T and, and maybe even who, who is utilizing that those programs versus who should be utilizing those programs or who could be utilizing those programs. It's like the people who already have access to golf are a lot of times putting their kids into that, um, myself included. You know, so like my daughter did first tee because I was like, oh, this is a safe and fun way for her to interact with the game. But like, but the purpose of the first tee is to try to bring new people to the game. And so I think, yeah, I think trying to find, and I, I think there's even an interesting opportunity for like that, 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 you know, mid twenties, like early twenties, mid twenties person who is, you know, just now interacting with the game or slowing down from playing something else and still want some sort of outlet or not understanding that golf is just really just four hours on a really nice piece of grass with your friends and you can drink beer and listen to music and everyone's like, huh, well, this is interesting. Um, so I, I'm more, I'm more, uh, yeah, I, I would say access, accessibility, um, you know, whatever, for, for however that looks for, for minorities, for people that don't come from wealth, for, um, you know, people who have never interacted with the game, I would just like to see more outlets for people to have a fun and safe way to experience the game and not feel, um, like they're, like they're, uh, imposing on anybody. And I'd say that that's probably the second biggest piece, um, for the game is sort of golf has a customer service problem. Um, I've said this a million times to friends. Like I've been playing golf since I was in second grade. I've spent far too much time inside of pro shops. I've worked at five country clubs. Um, there is no place. If there is any place that I should feel comfortable, it is in a pro shop at any, any pro shop across the country. I, more than any more equally or more than anybody should feel comfortable in there and yet i can still walk in to a pro shop and feel like i'm somehow imposing or like not supposed to be there or you know i'm tiptoeing around making sure somebody's you know not upset with me and that's a customer service problem that is not a golf problem that is not a you need to know the rules problem that is a customer service problem and uh, I experienced it in the best form when I went to Sand Valley a couple of years ago, which is a dream golf resort, which is Bandon Dunes, Cabot, uh, Cabot Links and Sand Valley. They're, you know, these massive resorts that are, you know, whatever. Um, but the answer up there was just yes. Like everyone was just willing and, and, and kind and wanting to take care of you. And you walk into these pro shops and you're just like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, like I feel like, you know, I've been yelled at for not having a tea time before. It's like I was just coming to see if I could play. Like, I'm sorry that I, I didn't know that. Like, can you get me out there? Do you want my money? Like, I understand there are rules, but um, yeah, customer service, accessibility. And I still think at the grassroots level, um, we have far too many uh we have far too many older people that are exchanging work for golf and, uh, and are not like really taking care of the people that are coming through there. Um, and I think we could do better with that. Not to say that they couldn't be the people to do that. I just think we could do a better job.
that was long-winded. Sorry. No, no. I mean, I mean, don't apologize at all. I mean, we're looking for those <laughs> those long-winded answers. I mean, I feel like everybody yeah. does have a, a little bit of a different experience when it comes to that question. And, you know, that's something that we, we want to do is kind of uncover those rocks and talk about those things. And, uh, you know, I kind of said that at the beginning, if we can help, you know, uh, people learn about ways to make the game more accessible and, and also how, how we ourselves can learn learn as well. Um, do you have any more questions? Um, I don't really necessarily have any more questions, but something I kind of want to go back to that you were just saying was, you know, there's a, there's a barrier for people getting into golf. And one of those things that I think is kind of undersold is the time commitment. And we're seeing that with sim golf and kind of, you know, what you're setting up with the clubhouse and everything is that people now have the ability to go play 18 holes on the track man, for example, and you can power through 18 holes in an hour. If you really want to, you don't need to go out onto the course for four hours. Yeah, I think that's very true. I also think that, uh, in the context of like a membership in regards to our, our members being able to play these golf courses whenever they want, like they could go play four holes. It's the same price as paying playing 36. So they're already a member. They already have access. Like when you become a member of a course and I've had this experience a couple times in my life, like it changes things like nine holes and 18 holes are kind of arbitrary. Like if you only have time, it's like, you know, like I'm fortunate enough that I have a golf course in my backyard. <laughs> like I literally, like I have a golf course. I can walk, I'm 45 feet from the 150 yard pole of a par four. So like, I, I know I have it really, really good. It's one of the reasons why this house came available and I snatched it up as quick as I could. But like, you know, you get done with work, like you, yeah, you could, you know, in this scenario, in a gimme golf club membership scenario, go to the course that's closest to your house, take your kid with you, grab a beer at the pro shop, you know, and you play till dark. And maybe that's four holes. Maybe that's three holes. Maybe that's five holes. That's that's fine too, because you're not paying for nine. You're not paying for eighteen. You're not losing money. You're not, you know. It just changes the it changes the game a little bit. You can still experience, you know, whacking the ball around the field. It's just not in the context of nine holes or eighteen holes, which is another another way to look at it. We we could do we could do more of that as well. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, anybody listening to the podcast, please go check out Kyle on Instagram. Uh, go check out Gimme Golf Club um, uh, on Instagram as well. Um, and Kyle, again, thank you so much for for being here today. I know you're a busy guy. You just opened the uh, the the clubhouse, so seriously, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's all good. Like this, these. I mean, I like these conversations probably way too much, so I'm willing to have them all the time. So, uh, you guys want to have me back on? Just let me know. I'm always down for a chat. Definitely, man. I mean, there's so much that we could talk about, and I'd love to have you on anytime. (laughs) You're welcome anytime. Sounds good, guys. Thank you.